Growth stories, life lessons, turning points, service to others, truth, no bullshit. Adding value, no smoke and mirrors, being the pressure, third down and 10, win or learn, always the underdog with a chip on your shoulder. These are the things that I think about when I talk to this group. From service academy fleet leaders, NFL players, NASCAR drivers, tech gurus, private equity, small business, big business, to the entrepreneurs making the way of the future, winning at all costs with uncompromised integrity, paying the price of admission. Let's go. Today, Josh Smith, class of 05, uh, 04 senior, uh, co-captain as the defensive captain, uh, along with Aaron Polanco. I don't know if you've heard a few of my episodes so far, but there's one where I call out. I can't remember which one it was exactly uh, about Wimberley, Texas in high school. Oh, yeah. They were, yeah, they were our, our rival team. That's where Aaron came from uh, where, when he was that offensive captain and, and your, your peer in that. So. Uh, oh yeah, Aaron's good stuff. He's uh, he's doing good things for the nation as well. He's uh, leading. It's either a Cobra or a Viper squadron out in San Diego. He's the CO. Nice. So there's one CO there. There's another CO that I talked to named Adam Horn. I was trying to yep. get a memory uh, or two. I knew you were close to uh, him I, as well. Oh, very close. I just went to his change of command last month. Nice. Nice. Yeah, he's down, down in New River, North Carolina, so not too far from me. Cool. Um. Nickname Coach. How did you come by that nickname? So my first squadron uh, was VQ-1. I flew EP-3s, and after a couple of deployments, a couple of guys, I was still kind of in football shape. So like, hey, man, I want to look good after this deployment. Help me. So <laughs> turned turned into having them work out with me, and that just turned into coach. And then, funny enough, now I coach all my kids' sports, so all those Derek shirts they give you that says coach. I'm like, look, Derek, put my call sign on the back of it. Nice. I thought you were maybe mentioning a, an article, the one that I found on you uh, that Buddy Green talked about. It's, it's, it says Josh Smith from Attica to Annapolis. And he talks oh, about – article. Yeah, he's, he talks about how you were very much the coach in that. And we'll come back to that. But I just thought that was interesting. Um, so you're from Attica, Indiana. Um, big basketball guy back in the day mm-hmm. is what it sounds like. And uh, as I live in Kentucky now, I am learning how important that is. You know, I'm from Texas. Texas football is a big thing. But, man, oh, Indiana yeah. and Kentucky basketball, that's where it's at in this region. It so, was. I mean, that, that's where my heart was growing up. I, I fell into football. I didn't actually plan on playing football in college. Uh, Nice. I played AAU, traveled the country for travel basketball. We actually won the national championship one year, and I came back to school, and it was my freshman year. I was like, I'm not playing football. I don't want to get hurt. So, Gotcha. That makes uh, sense. My, ba- my basketball coach was also the football assistant coach. So he's like, no, you're playing football. Gotcha. And so then, he saw he saw something there. He saw something in you, I guess. Yeah, he you- just talked me into saying it was going to help me get bigger and stronger and help me for basketball. And then all of a sudden I started getting recruiting letters for football. I was like, oh, I never really thought about this. Nice. Awesome. Uh, so from <clears throat> Indiana, um, and then you, you know, go through the Naval Academy thing, you become a P3 pilot, still active duty. Uh, your moves with that, with that job have been to Whidbey Island, to Fort Meade, Maryland, uh, to Kanoe Bay. I don't know if I pronounced that right. I've never been there. Kanoe. 
Kaneohe. All right. uh, I should yeah. know that by now. Um, hey, know, everyone just makes it easy and calls it K-Bay. K-Bay. There we go. K-Bar Bay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Norfolk, Virginia to Little Creek, Virginia uh, as that three P3 pilot. Uh, now you're coaching, you know, kids sports. You got a couple kids. You enjoy hunting, fishing, golfing, uh, and as well, you know, as, as many of us, a, a church guy. Um, what did I miss? That's my intro for you. What did I miss? Uh, that's the big stuff. Yeah. Once I graduated, I stuck around and coached uh, on the defensive side of the ball as a graduate assistant for a year. And I stuck around until March. And then I got married uh, right before I started flight school in February. Nice. Uh, start, started flight school in March and then started the whole extravaganza. I went from Pensacola, Corpus Christi to Jacksonville for six months to, to learn how to fly the P3 in the rag. And then we moved to Whidbey Island. Gotcha. Did that for three three years and then went to uh, Maryland. actually got to sponsor mids when I was there, which nice. is uh, very unique. Yeah, uh, still in touch with them. Had uh, like Chris Swain, the Swain train. He was uh, one of my mids. Yep, I remember him, yeah. Yeah, Bernie Sarah, he was the D, D captain. He was one of them. Jude Akampu, he's he's the one that's still active duty. And Quincy Adams. So nice. Those four guys were a horse. And then uh, unfortunately, I had to, after four and a half years, they told me I had to leave. And it was their senior year, so I felt bad on ditching them. But uh, I went up to the War College for a year, and then out to Hawaii to K Bay to fly special projects P threes, and then uh, came to. Got pulled here to Norfolk to work on the staff for the Admiral, who's in charge of the P3s and PH, and I ran all his special programs. And then here recently, I just went over to Little Creek to uh, start working with TACRON 22. Uh, they do all the tactical air control for all the big deck amphibs. So I'm learning how to work with all the Marines, which is nice. really unique. So. Yeah, for sure. Uh, now. <laughs> Let's do it now. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so some memories, I'm going to jump into some memories. I, I started out with oh. a couple and then over the past 24 hours, they just, you know, they came, came in real fast. All right. So Anthony Piccioni, he said, uh, you know, your class was the turnaround class and there's no doubt about it. Um, you know, there, there was the, the Clint Bruce class that had an awesome year, had an awesome story. Things sagged a little bit for a while, but then all of a sudden things come back, make it big, set a standard. And, and that was part of y'all's class. Um, that you beat Air Force for the first time, like in a long time in DC. Mm -hmm. Remember that one? Oh yeah, that, that's a very memorable game for me. Uh, sustained an injury in that one, so uh, yeah. It, but it it was unique because uh, we we our class we went zero and ten our freshman year, two and ten first year with Paul Johnson, and then eight and five, and then ten and two our senior year. So we got to see the full swing and the full gamut of. Uh, how much support you get while you're winning and how much people hate you when you're losing. Yeah, that, yeah, that, there, there's no better lesson. Right. Um, awesome. Let's see. Uh, Bobby Mack. He said, you are Mr. Reliable, always in the right place at the right time. Um, you had a big, uh, interception and touchdown your senior year versus army. Uh, it was like right, right at the line of scrimmage. Uh, <laughs> but that was like a, a big one, uh, that, that stood out in his mind. He remembers, um, this other play that probably won't ever get talked about. And, and that one play was, uh, it was against Notre Dame and, um, Navy was, you know, an extreme underdog. Their spread said, uh, Notre Dame destroys Navy. Uh, but you ran down this wide receiver 
to mitigate a big, big play. Do you remember what that was? I do. So this was sophomore year. Um, so backstory. So I never played defensive back in high school. I, I they, when I got to Navy, they gave me the choice: you want to do running back, fullback, linebacker, or safety. And so, well, I feel like I'm not fast enough for a running back or big enough for a linebacker. So let's go with safety. I'll give that a shot. So. So my sophomore year when I was playing, it was still a learning experience for me. And we were playing cover four, and they ran play action, and the corner had bit up when he was supposed to stay back. And so I, and luckily they he threw he threw the ball too high, and I caught up and punched the ball out right as he caught it and started taking some steps, and we recovered. And that was the game where we almost knocked them off. They were top five in the country. I think they had lost the week prior to us, but uh, we were up eight. It was like six minutes left in the game, uh, and then they ended up coming back and beating us. But, yeah, they, yeah, I remember that play because I was like, oh, shoot, this is not a good start. It was like the first play of the game. Yeah, well, it's it's the Navy football story, though. That's what it is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's that, you know, you're smaller than everybody. You got to fight harder. You got to train harder. You got to get more prepared. You can't be, you know, wasting time, um, which I think is, uh, you know, the David versus Goliath, um, you know, play. So awesome. All right. Adam Horn. <clears throat> he said, you're a little uneasy before every flight. Oh, yes. Adam and I got to go through flight school together. So, uh, even so at the Academy, we, I went through IFS up there, introductory flight school type thing where you're just flying with civilians and small planes and, uh, it was every flight I'd throw up. As soon as they tried to put me on what they called instruments, I was done. Uh, and then I went down to Pensacola, and it was the same way. Like, and Adam was in flight school. <laughs> You're not supposed to self-medicate, but I was like, I am not going to do this this spin and puke thing where they make you throw up so you're used to it. So yeah. I was like, mm, all right, I'm self-medicating. So I started taking pills. And eventually, my body got used to it. So like, I, I stopped doing that after a, a decent amount of the flights. And when you're flying regularly and when you're getting bounced around in those little planes, yeah, it, uh, I was very uneasy. I, I even yeah. failed a flight because I was throwing up, and the instructor was like, "You're right." I'm like, you know, gung ho, like, "Yeah, I'm pushing through. I'm pushing through." And, nope, I was yeah. sick as a dog, and I had to fail the flight because of it. But. Nice, awesome. Uh, he also mentioned this one day, <clears throat> and I have no idea what this means, so I'm gonna need your help here. Um, Y'all called it Black Friday. Do you remember yeah. what Black Friday might mean? Uh, uh, Black Friday to me is the Friday before we started spring break when we were doing fourth quarters. And it, it was a dark Friday because Paul Johnson knew what we were about to go do on spring break. And he put us through the ringer. And it, it, there were guys just walking off the field that quit. Because that, that was his whole goal when he showed up our sophomore year was to make us tougher and he was doing that by see who's going to quit. So, I mean, there, there were guys that were actually playing that just those first few times we did fourth quarters, uh, he he wouldn't stop until somebody got up and left and walked off the field. Because, I mean, when we started, there was way too many people on the football team. We had three guys per locker. I, I shared a locker with two other safeties my freshman year. Um, yeah. So when he came in. Because the recruiting his, strategy back in the day was like, hey, get as many people as you can get in here. Bring let's them all see who drops in. out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. So, and I mean, one of my locker mates walked off and companies do that now. Yeah. Really? 
That's yeah. one one way to do it. But uh, he found out who was tough and who wasn't. Yeah, was, I mean, there was throw up all over the turf field. And this was the old turf. This wasn't the, the, the turf that has a little bit where it can settle. No, this was the Astro turf that tore you up. And, oh, yeah. man. Well, you're yeah. doing up-downs right next to a whole bunch of throw up. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, you know, it's I, funny. I think we were late to class, too, because he kept us so long. Yep, no doubt. Uh, it's funny, fourth quarter's uh, backstory on, on, a, on a trail for me getting Adam Horn's phone number was um, I reached out to Pick first and said, hey, do you got uh, Adam Horn's number? And he said, no, I don't. Reach out to this guy, uh, you know, J.D. Uh, Baker. He was a master sergeant at the time. I think he was one of y'all's E-reps. Yep, Gunny Baker. Um, uh, you said J.D. I was yeah, like, gee. No, it was Gunny Baker. Oh, yeah, he was good stuff. Yeah, and it turns out Gunny Baker did some fourth quarters with you guys. Oh, yeah, he did. He was in great shape. That's pretty cool. He, he wasn't a big guy because he's like, why do I need to be big? I'm strong enough, and I can run 10 miles without blinking an eye. So, like, while we're squatting, <laughs> we try to lift 400 pounds, he's, he just watches us in the locker room. But Yeah, I, I listened to his uh, Jocko podcast the other day. He was talking about running um, all the, you know, P, PFT or PRTs. Uh, at his time there, five a day, mile, you know, the mile and a half at a 1030 pace, five times in that day to try to motivate people. I'm like, goodness gracious, yeah. that's a machine. And he yeah. gets out there and does fourth quarters. He did. So, he he was right there with us. Nice. But, uh, so yeah, I was looking for your, uh, for Adam Horn's number. He had it, um, you know, just a, a small story. On that. Yeah. Um, Marine, of course he had his number. Yep. Um, so here's the air force injury of one year. That's another thing that Adam, Adam, Bobby and pick all brought that air force injury up. Um, what happened? Uh, so it was literally the second play of the game. They run in the option and I was the safety coming up and I knew there, I saw their wide receiver coming. He's going to crack me off my right side. So I, my goal was to get outside to force him back in. And well, I hit, and he didn't know I saw him coming. So I hit him and just flew right over. And well, he pulled me down on top of him and his knee was up and I fell right on it. And he hit me in the groin and luckily, not luckily, but one of the other players on the field got hurt. So like they were taking time to get him off the field. I think it was LeVon Kelly made the tackle out of bounds. Yeah. He was one of my uh, TAD coaches up at Naps during that time. Yep. So he uh, he got hurt a little bit, so they were helping him to the sideline. I'm in the background just squatting down like, oh, man, that was a good nut shot. And just taking deep breath and like, all right, this is giving me some time. I can recover. I can recover. And played the rest of the game. And toward the end of it, they, they score, and they're trying to kick an onside kick. And I was on the hands team, and I recovered it. And, I mean, everybody mobs me. And I was like, I don't feel like celebrating. I feel like throwing up right now. I don't really think this is right. And like we go, because it's the first time we beat them. There, I think they were five and zero. Oh, we were two and two, coming off a loss to Rutgers, and so it was one of those games where was, like I should be going crazy. Like I was really pumped that we won, and I'm just like my guts, like just telling me something's not right. And like we're in the locker room, all the admirals are coming in, and we're all celebrating. Finally, getting a shower, and I look down, I was like, "Ooh, that's not right." Uh, so I called over one of the trainers and he's like, ah, oh, you know, I'm the wrestling trainer too. And Mike, Mike Negro, um, he's like, everything's fine. We'll send you the doc and, uh, they'll take a look at it make sure it's good. Well, 
They're like, you need a ride. I was like, well, I came here on a team bus. We're in DC. How, how am I supposed to get there? And I was like, well, my brother's here who was enlisted in the army and drove up from Fort Benning or Fort Bragg to come up to see me, see the game. So they ended up putting me in the car with my brother to drive me to Bethesda. So I ended up going there and yeah, they ended up uh, deciding I needed surgery and uh, that was that. And it was funny because all the papers, they, they didn't want to come out and say what it was. They called it uh, a groin, <laughs> an undisclosed groin injuries to everybody. But uh, yeah, yeah, I was, so, I was thinking how I was going to approach the, the question. I think it went well so yeah, far. Yeah. <laughs> my wife said the same thing. She's like, you're really going to talk about that? I was like, well, yeah, it's called price of admission. That's one of the prices I paid. And, no doubt. But one of the th- funny parts of it was uh, I ended up, because instant messenger was a thing then had a way message and it's like well i gave up my uh left nut to beat air force this week what did you do and nice they became pretty famous that uh buddy green actually used that (laughs) i'm sure he did yeah oh good old buddy but yeah i ended up missing uh uh the next game was vanderbilt which i knew i couldn't play in and i felt like I was ready to play the next week, had stitches and everything out, but they wouldn't let me play. So I ended up missing two games here because of that. And let alone, I missed the Army game that year, too. Two months to the day after that injury, I got appendicitis and had to have surgery three days before the Army-Navy game before my junior year. Goodness. Yeah, Goodness so I, I missed three games that year because of uh, surgeries. And that was your sophomore year? Junior year. Junior year. Yep. Gotcha. Awesome. All right, <clears throat> back in time for the bowl game, though. Yeah, it was which was a win, right? No, that one was a lot. That was no. Texas Tech when we played t- uh, when they oh, had okay. West Walker and BJ Hodges. Yeah, guys. But a good a good bullet point to as a reminder, like the last time that Navy made a bowl game was the Aloha Bowl, right? I think. And yeah, it was 90s, the Texas 90s. Tech game that one year. Yep. Even though it was a loss, it was like the first bowl game in like. You know, yeah, it years. was. Well, and I was saying, it's like we were the number one rushing um, offense. They were the number one passing offense. So that, that's what was hyped up. And their defense was pretty stout. And we held them in check. I think it was like 17 to three or something and a half. I forget what the score was. But we, we were holding, it was pretty close at halftime. And then sure enough, they uh, ended up blowing it open in the second. I was like 44, 14, or 17 or something. Yeah, back then, Texas Tech was. Was definitely legit with the yeah. like three yard splits and oh yeah could throw anywhere yeah it's yeah and, and guys like Wes Walker running around out there too so no doubt all right uh, Adam Horn one uh, a couple more you know he said that there was one point when Buddy Green said hey you know get in there Josh Smith and, and then after that that one time you said get in there that you never came back off you were always in the game after you answered that call that one time remember that uh i do so and i'm sure that, that article you brought up is kind of like the linchpin so when paul johnson and buddy green those guys showed up i wasn't on the depth chart i got we were so buried i played three snaps of JV my freshman year because there were so many guys. And those three – I talked to Paul Johnson trying to get another year of eligibility because of it, and he said they wouldn't budge on it. So that three snaps on JV cost me a whole year of eligibility. But I was just buried on the depth chart. So if during spring ball, I just kept, 
kept my nose to the grindstone, kept doing what I knew how to do and eventually started getting on the depth chart and starting getting noticed. And then once the season started, I was on special teams and I was think second or third string safety. And then uh, somebody got hurt and then my number got called and it was kind of over after that. I just never gave it up. Nice. That's a good story. Um, and then after that, I think there was a thing with, with Buddy Green trying to seek out the same type of thing with a white Middleton, with a uh, um, Jeremy Miles, with an Emmett Merchant, like uh, with a Jeff DeLiz. Like mm-hmm. he, and, and Jeff DeLiz moves a lot like you did. Yeah. Um, but Jeff there, there was definitely was a brother. trend there. Yeah. Nice. I knew Jeff. I'm still trying well. to get him on here. You got to get him. You got to push him. To, I, yeah, I will. I'll, I'll talk to him. Yeah. <laughs> I've texted with him a bunch. So Nice. Um, so, and then like 30 minutes before we just started, I called uh, Matt Neshek. He's a guy I'm close to. Um, I was like, hey, I'm about to about to talk to Josh. What do you remember that about that? You know, I've never talked to him. Um, he said that, um, you know, what y'all did is who we wanted to be like in our years, right? Because we just came into the program. You're coming off um, y'all's season, and we're seeing that, and we want to, you know, try and emulate that and, and kind of carry on this this legacy of, of things. And uh, I just thought that was, you know, you know, one to to bring up. Definitely a good future few years recruiting capability. Yeah, right? Going yeah. From that. Zero to t- zero and ten, two to ten, eight and two, and then ten and two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. eight and eight and five to ten and two. So yeah, I mean it was eight and five. I mean senior year, we ended up number twenty four in the country when uh, the final uh, rankings came out. So that was, that was a big deal for Navy to finish the season ranked. It hasn't happened many times since then. So it was definitely good recruiting. And I mean, it's an honor for him to say that that case emulate us because. One thing we came in and I mean, we, we had a tight knit group, uh, our class, uh, we, we did not like to lose. Um, it, it was very frustrating those first couple of years. And actually I remember Eddie Carthon, um, Eddie Carthon, our, my Jew, my sophomore year would have been, he was a junior. I think we we're playing down at Wake Forest or something. And, and this kind of just set the example of, how sick and tired of it we were. And, and Eddie was the captain the next year. And I mean, rightfully so, because this, this stood out. We, we just lost a wake for us down there. We had the lead and the defense, we let them score to win the game. And in the locker room, I mean, you know, everyone's mad. We're pissed off. And he stands up and just gives this speech that I'll never forget where he's just talking about, I am tired of this. And, Sure enough, that was, I think, our last game before we went into Army. And then we went into Army and just, I think it was 58 to 12. We whooped them. And then that just led into the next year when we went 8 and 5. And just kind of, hey, this is not the precedent precedence that we stand for. And we are tired of losing. And we have the capability. We are in all of these games. We've got to find a way to win. And that was kind of the mantra after that was, hey, we are going to do whatever it takes to win these games. And I mean, Eddie nice. stood up and said that in the locker room after that game, and, and that one really hit home and kind of set the standard of, "Yep, you're right. We are done with this. We hate this feeling. We're going to make a change." Awesome. I uh, I don't know Eddie, um, but Irv talked about Eddie as well um, when I was able to talk with him, and he talked about you know like how he kind of really drew him in and said, "Hey, there's there's so much more here than than you'll know." 
What was that speech like? Do you remember that speech? Oh, Eddie. Yeah. I mean, he stood, yeah, yeah, when it, he stood up that one day. It was after the game too. Cause it, Paul coach Johnson had just finished talking and he stood up and I mean, he was, he was very passionate about it and just it, without using on all, all the profanity, but saying he, we are, he is effing tired of this. We should be winning games. We need to do what we need to do to make this happen. And, I mean, it wasn't a long speech, but it, it was a powerful speech, and I think it just stuck to a lot of people. Awesome. All right, last memory, Jake Biles. Um, another last-minute one, because I, I just got done talking with him. I'm going to publish it uh, within a few days, um, hopefully by Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> but he said, uh, you are a freak athlete, an intense competitor with a great instincts. Um, also a great standard bearer for how a Navy football defense should play. Well, that's very nice of him. Um, to me, I, I just always went and did what I, what I knew how to do. I mean, uh, to me, the, the instincts come from being studious, right? I, I, I didn't have the instincts when I got there. I had to them. I had to learn them. And part of that for me was watching film. I mean, we'd watch film at lunch, but we'd do practice. We'd go lift. I'd go watch film, and I, I would – there were some nights I'd have to leave film just to go catch dinner and whatever was left of team tables and eat the scraps left over. Um, if not, go hit Dahlgren up uh, and then watch extra film on game nights. Like I, I like to watch the, the red zone tapes of, of teams and third down and third and long plays. Were the big things I'd like to watch before the games. After the team, we were all done watching film. I'd sit in there and then, and then just the guys would, hey, like, what's he? Why is he staying here watching this? Maybe I should. And just more and more guys would. Just to me, that that was the only way I knew how to learn. I'd already done the physical aspects between practice and lifting. It was, hey, I, I need to watch more film because I, I don't want to be reactive on the field. I want to be proactive. I want to be able to make the moves before, like, hey, I know it's third and long here. I know they, they have tendencies of this play or this play if they line up like this. Like, I like to know that because in my head, I'm a numbers guy. So just being able to, to analytically say, hey, I know there's a 40% chance they're going to come out in this and watch this. And that way I can try to jump certain things. And but. Yeah. Like, uh, I'll, I'm going to steal a, a Clint Bruce quote. Um, and I've already said it on a couple of different episodes so far since talking to him, but if I'm learning and you're, or if I'm remembering and you're learning, then I win. Yeah. Right. That's a great quote. Those, <laughs> those trends. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I like that. Since, since that, that quote, I've been, you know, trying to use the heck out of it because it's, it's true. Um, going back to that article, um, from the, you know, Josh Smith from Attica to Annapolis, you know, Buddy Green's talking about you. He's just a great example, a guy dedicated to making himself into a really good player through hard work, right? That first summer, he came to camp and he was ready to take someone's job. Um, he talks about how you studied the game, how how you were somewhat of a coach out there, um, that, you know, you're just studying, getting in the film, staying late, coming in early, um, you know, the hard work where, where some people say, well, it's not all about the hard work and, you know, you work smarter, not harder. Dude, sometimes it's just about the hard work. <laughs> you can work smarter, not harder all the time, but sometimes you got to do the extra. The extra is what get, gets you smarter. 
Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you could say, and you, a lot of people just talk the talk. They don't walk the walk. I mean, if you're going to say you're going to spend the hours, well, guess what? You got to make sacrifices. Yeah, and and this is why I wanted to bring this up. And when you you said your nickname was Coach, um, and I looked at this article, you know, another thing that Buddy Green says is he thinks like a coach. When you've got someone who thinks like a coach, you got someone really special. You know, as a coach, you ask, "What did we do wrong?" Um, those are the ones that remember the losses. You find a true value of a player when he talks in those terms. It's a quality you will wish all of them had. So that's funny. That the, the remember the losses because ten and two senior year. There's two games that just just kill me. Tulane had we had no business losing them. We were down there and we lost focus. We thought we were hot stuff and we'd only lost one game all year and that was to Notre Dame and we thought it'd be a cakewalk and we came out. I think we took an early lead. Defense held them and. All of a sudden, before we knew it, they, they were just piling on us. That nice. just drives me insane. Like it, statistically, and, and that was always the case. Any anytime I had statistically a good game, we didn't do well because I'm the last line of defense. I shouldn't be making all the tackles. <laughs> we had a lot of good games. I think you, what were you number one tackler? So <laughs> yeah, I, I was. But I mean, you can see how our defense improved. Like. I mean, my sophomore year, when I didn't start every game, I, I played in most, was special teams guy, and then started starting. I think I don't, I don't remember the numbers, but I had like 158 tackles, which was 60 more than anyone else on the team. And then next year when we started winning, I only had 120, and the next closest guy was like 20 away. And then senior year, it was uh, Lane Jackson, actually. It was pretty competitive. He wanted that that title of top tackler, and I mean – I. To me, I just went out and did the game. I, I did, it wasn't real to me, but he, he did make a couple of comments. He's like, "You son, that doesn't count as a tackle." And, but uh, I but I mean, it just shows you how the defense had improved because I'm getting less and less tackles, which is good. We want our linebackers and uh, D linemen making the tackles. So, it, but yeah, I mean, we we had some studs on defense though. It wasn't just me out there. Lane Jackson, Bobby McLaren, Baba Tunde, Akinbimi. He's in the middle, just anchoring, getting a double team every time. Jeff Vanek, Reggie Seeley, Lavon Kelly out on the edge. I mean, we we, we had a, a great group of guys. Dave Mahoney was in there. Tidwell was playing my senior year. Um, so it, we we had a, some rock stars playing, tough nosed guys. You won't find anybody tougher no than doubt. Lane Jackson and Bobby McLaren, man. So, yeah, it sounds, it sounds like a tur- turnaround crew for sure. You know, the toughness, mental toughness, physical toughness, the whole, the whole toughness thing, that's what it takes for to, to do a, a turnaround situation. That's what you guys did. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, that's, all, that's all I have from memories. So that, that, That's kind of surprising. I listened to uh, your talk with Jordan Young uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, and his his were pretty funny. Uh, a lot of the party stories and everything, and uh, that was one thing we, we were pretty known for. Uh, Wayne Irons, who played with me, uh, he was my sponsor brother, and Mike Brimage was another football guy. And our sponsors, we uh, we threw some pretty epic parties there, and we had uh, the football band called Oversized Load uh, with Tyson yeah. 
Tyson Stahl, Matt McLaughlin, Corey Dryden. Um, I need to get Tyson on here. I need your help with that because uh, Cameron actually just – Cameron Marshall texted me yesterday and was like, hey, you need to get Tyson on there too with with, with Pichoni. Yeah, I just, uh, uh, was texting so with Tyson last the week. Tyson parts. I was nice. doing them last week, so I'll pass his number to you. But, uh, yeah, awesome. they were awesome classic rock band, and we threw some epic parties at my sponsors with that. So we had some fun. Awesome. I figured some yeah, and then come out. I was like, I don't bring up too much of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Adam Horn also gave me um, um, that. Uh, hold on a second. I'm going to look for it because I forgot the name. Oh, uh, you're good. He's yeah. Like, yeah. Wayne, Wayne, Wayne Irons. Oh, yeah. He was like, hey, you need to talk to this guy. But I was like, expired at the time. I was like, yeah, I'm done for the day. And then, uh, you know, today woke up, did some stuff, and just didn't get to it. So, no, that's fine. Well, uh, Wayne, wish, Wayne Irons. Now I'm wishing I called the guy. Yeah. Wayne Irons uh, <laughs> was at my house last night. He lives about a mile from me. So he. Uh, nice. But we, we do a lot of drinking together, and my, my in laws are in town. So he came over to see them because he's like family. He knows my family. I know his family. And his wife, uh, he met his wife going back with me to Indiana because my wife cheered to Indiana. So we'd go back there all the time whenever we had a break at school or in football and we ended up meeting an Indiana girl and marrying her too. So, and my wife knew nice. her. So it, good bonds. Fun and, story. Oh yeah. Well, well, I should have, I should have given him a call. Yeah. <laughs> so Josh Smith, dude, tell us your story from front to back. Oh man, where to begin? So I, I grew up in Attic, Indiana, as we as we talked about, but uh, yeah, we didn't grow up with a lot of money. So to me, I grew up with I have an older brother, two years older than me. And I have a sister, uh, two years younger than me, about two years younger than me. And funny enough, we all ended up in the military in one way or another. Uh, but growing up, it was us. We grew up on a farm, and it was literally just depending on each other, and that's how we entertained each other. Was on the farm and we did sports but we grew up in a small town so yeah sports weren't really available till like sixth grade we did some baseball before that during the summer but uh, so i started playing basketball and kind of figured out like oh decent at this and kind of kept pressing with it and like just like the movie hoosiers uh i didn't have a, a I was just about to ask that. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, how many times did you watch Hoosiers? I did watch and, <laughs> Back in that many day. Many times my friends used to call me Jimmy Chitwood. Um, nice. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we we didn't have a basketball goal growing up, but I, I got a rim and I put it in the barn and literally had a barn pole that had my rim on it. And that's, that's where I would play dirt floor and everything. Um, but did a lot of training doing that and growing up on the farm, I was kind of like lifting, naturally lifting weights when you're carrying a 50 pound bag of feed and hay bales and everything else and straw. So, uh, but yeah, into high school, started playing basketball, started, got picked up, uh, from my, my local team to a travel team playing AU ball for a team called municipal garden. They beat us to go to the national tournament, and then they picked me up to go. And, I mean, we ended up getting fourth my first year. Next year, I think we got third, and then we ended up winning the national championship uh, the following year, going into our freshman year. We played played against Tyson Chandler in the championship. And so, I mean, it was uh, 10 of the 12 dudes. Who was that, Tyson Chip? Tyson yeah. Chandler. He, he spent about 15 years in the NBA, uh, like a seven-foot gotcha. center for big – I mean, we, we were eighth graders, and this dude took off from the free throw line and tomahawk dunked on us. So it was 
All right. Well, All right. So like LeBron good. James back in the yeah. day, gotcha. Yeah. He, he went straight from, yeah, same way. Went straight to the NBA from high school. But yeah, uh, so that, that was kind of my love and passion with basketball. Like I was telling you earlier, just I was done. I wanted to just concentrate on basketball at that point, man. Like I, I just, all my teammates and everything, what we were doing. And we had a pretty good high school team. My, my school was class A, so we were pretty small. But uh, because we were small, my basketball coach was an assistant football coach, convinced me to play. And I mean, I played outside linebacker and fullback for three years. And in senior year, I ended up playing uh, running back and li- outside linebacker. Uh, but yeah, then that's what ended up leading me to football was I started getting recruiting mothers and and never really thought about it. And uh, senior year and in, in high school, we ended up 14 to one, lost the state championship. Uh, first time our school had ever been to a state championship in anything and ended up losing it and then turned around and played basketball. And we won the state championship in basketball, which is no way we should have won it in basketball. We should have won it in football. And again, just that's, that's kind of where that never quit mentality started was there. Uh, I had a good friend in high school, Dave Foster. He and I, I mean, it was 6 a.m. almost every day of the week. We, he and I were, they gave us keys to the high school to, to start opening up the gym because no one, none of the teachers wanted to come in that early for us or coaches. But that's kind of the, the, the military mentality that kind of started then. I never really thought of it as military. I was like, to me, it was, hey, we're just trying to get better and lift and not, without much coaching. But we ended up making it. Was there anything there with like, hey, small town, um, you know, lost the state championship, won the state championship in basketball? Like, that's pretty cool. Like, as a small team or a small town school, um, like, what was driving you to do that? You know, there's so many fun stories out there. Huger's being like a big one of of a small town school making a big impact. Is that, is there anything there that helped drive you there? Um, it was one, just, just our teammates. Like we had a decent team and one of our team, one of my teammates, they actually made it to semi-state back in the sixties. So, I mean, it wasn't much, much after Hoosiers. Um, but like, that was one of the true stories. Like they made it and there was, and they were all still around living in the small town and, so just, and we'd play basketball with those guys and just kind of hearing their story and like, Hey, we wanted to reach that. And then his uncle, uh, that teammate, Theron Schmidt, uh, his uncle would actually coach us through AAU. And I think that's what really helped us one bond together. And like, we all were decent athletes and that just made us better athletes. And then we, I mean, we were pretty good. So that, that drove us to continue to get better. And our high school wasn't that good in sports and we were losing decent amount until we got there and then we slowly but surely freshman sophomore and kind of helped that program turn around went from losing records to in the in the state rankings my junior and senior year uh but just that drive like i I always not that i i love my hometown um i probably won't go back and live there uh just one it's a lot of people are it's kind of the mass exodus it was it's on the river. It was a manufacturing town. So it's one of those, it's actually shrinking in size, but, uh, gotcha. I, I just wanted, wanted to do something. I wanted to go to college. It didn't matter where. And once I started getting recruited and Purdue was right there, it was, Purdue was 15 minutes from my house. And that was always my dream growing up, uh, was Purdue. And then 
I only have three living out in the country. I only have three channels. So I watch Notre Dame every more or every Saturday because they were on. Um, funny enough, they told me I wasn't smart enough to get in there um, when I applied, but they were never <laughs> recruiting me. So you went to Navy instead. Yeah, right. That, that was always that. the funny part. But uh, no, I always thought I was going to Purdue. I knew all their coaches. I was at all their spring practices and everything. Knew, knew their D coordinator, Brock Spack, and Joe Tiller was their coach. And, and they just never offered me, and I didn't understand why. And come to find out, uh, there's a big article in, in the local paper uh, that kind of told the story. Was they decided it came down to me and another kid. The kid, size wise and everything, was pretty similar, but he had a tenth faster forty time than me. Is what what it came down to. Well, they took data, offered him, and they told me they wanted me as a preferred walk on. And I'm a cocky high school kid. I'm like, yeah, I'm not a I'm not a walk on type of guy. Um, uh, but, uh, they end up, he ended up, that kid ended up getting kicked out after a semester and, uh, Joe Tiller was watching the, our tape against Notre Dame, uh, scouting against Notre Dame. And it's like, who's this guy? And the D coordinator was like, oh, that's the guy I wanted to offer a scholarship for. He's from our own backyard and we let him go. And so I was kind of the vind- nice. vindiction. That's, uh, that's what a 10th of a 40 time gets you. Yep. All right, coach. So. Lesson learned. Keep moving. Yeah, but uh, and Indiana State was recruiting me as well. But uh, a lot of people don't know uh, Ivan Jasper was there, and that nice. uh, he got picked up to go back, or he passed my name on to some Navy guys, and because they, they kept offering me fifty percent and seventy five percent, and I just didn't really want to go there. Um, didn't think it was a good fit, and somehow he had. Rumor is he ended up introducing my name to the Navy guys, and it was Sammy Steinmark was uh, the guy that recruited me. And, and once they started pitching me, and then they offered me, and that, that's where I was going. And that was all during football uh, when I took my official visit, and I was already hook, line, and sinker in on it because like this is the type of place. Once I went there, uh, a guy named C. Harris was my sponsor. And dude was awesome. He was a, built like a bowling ball fullback guy. What put? Fullback. Yep, he was fullback and yeah, he was, but yeah, I just love the brotherhood that was already there. Didn't know anything about the brotherhood afterwards, but uh, yeah, he, and then basketball came along. Gene Cady was recruiting me. He's like, Hey, I want to offer you a scholarship, but I've already given them all out there for this year. I need you to go to prep school and then I'll have you come in. And uh, a bunch of other small schools were offering me. And then during the state tournament, West Virginia kind of came out of nowhere and was like, Hey, we want to offer you a scholarship. This was after my game and we're celebrating. <laughs> this guy comes up to me. He's like, Hey, call me. I want to offer you a scholarship to come to West Virginia. I was like, yeah. I've already committed. Thanks. So, so, um, nice. yeah, got to Navy and sure enough, man, shock. Cause I went out to Navy thinking I'm hot stuff and not knowing anything about the military Midwest boy. didn't they first time they called me, it was, uh, the Navy has a football team. Like, no, no, no. It's a service county. Well, what's that? That that's how much I knew going into it. Um, but, uh, once they explained it all to me and broke it down and I got to see it, I was like, yeah, sure. That's fine. I can do that. Let's do it. I kind of do all that stuff anyway in my life, work out and get up early. So, First day I'm in the, in uh, Bancroft, I'm like in my civilian clothes, my backpack and luggage or whatever. And they're like, I'm like laughing at these guys going by. And I was like, oh, look at these idiots. Why are they shirts tucked in, socks high, <laughs> and 
guy next to me goes, dude, that's going to be us here in a little bit. I was like, that's not going to be me. Yeah. Little did I know. Yeah, it was you. He did not tell me that part during the recruiting visit that I was going to have to do all that BS. But uh, yeah, it was it was it was tough those first couple of weeks. But uh, kind of just kept the nose down and no quit mentality. Kind of got me through it all. But then once we finally started getting introduced to the football picture, that, that's when I was like, ah, here we are. This is this is my sanctuary right here, and it just nice. let the guard down a little bit once we so, got there and. How's your first year with football been? Like, so as soon as you get into that locker room, as soon as you like drop your pack down in that locker room, and and you're doing the football thing, and, and it gave you some comfort. So what I want to pick it up on, but um, was it like a, a priority then, like from a cultural environment type of thing? Like, was football the mission? Uh, for me, yes. For the academy, no. They, they hated uh, football players. I mean, they, they called us shit bags and everything else from day zero. Like, oh, you're one of those football guys. You're going to be a shit bag here. Like, oh, okay, thanks. But uh, it's gotcha. weird once they started getting uh, free weekends and nights and overnight everything. They, they're liking us. Uh, All right. Well, give me one more second. Uh, zero and ten to two and ten to eight and five to ten and two. Okay, got it. Yep. Yep. There you go. But uh, yeah, so that, that freshman year, it was frustrating. Like I said, I played three snaps the entire year. And I mean, I, I busted my tail on scout team just trying to be able to dress. And I had like when we did a scout team against the punt team, I, there was one week where I blocked like four punts and they were getting pissed at me that I knew the play. I was like, it's the same play over and over. I don't know the play. I'm literally beating your guys and blocking the ball. And they told me to start taking it easy. And I was like, are you kidding? Like, what, what are you talking about? Like, if I'm doing it. Was, as a, was Paul Johnson at the helm during that no, time? Or? that was no. Charlie Weatherby. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm like a, I'm a true it. freshman to take it easy. What do you think these guys are going to do against you? But, uh, yeah. yeah. And then they let me try out kickoff a couple times, but that was the thing. Like they had so many kids, I could barely equip them. Like I'm wearing, as a DB, I'm wearing these ginormous shoulder pads, helmet that's too big. And I've got these high top plastic cleats that were just atrocious. Like with shoestrings that were tied together to hold them together. And, uh, yeah. So, sounds like G wasn't there nope, yet. He wasn't. Um, but gotcha. it, uh, it, it's weird. You start winning, you start getting some more money and things change. No doubt. Well, cool. So you you do the, you know, you go through the freshman football year. Uh, what comes after that? Uh, yeah, after freshman year, again, Paul Johnson comes in. Big culture shock. And we talked about it already, but fourth quarters was one of the most painful things I ever did in my life. With that there's three days before spring break and three days after spring break. Yeah. We had never done anything like that, and sure enough, man, he uh, he kicked our butts and found out who was tough and who was going to be on the team. So uh, nice. that that made it tough. And then spring ball, um, there, there was no red jerseys. There was okay, you're hurt. Yeah, it, you, if you're hurt, you're still playing. It doesn't matter. If you're injured, go go sit on the sideline. But it was ones v ones. He won. It, it was as hard as you could go, nonstop, and it carried over into the fall. 
We went one v ones up until probably three days before our first game, and you're yeah. And and Candido was getting definitely appreciated every time. Blanco was getting drilled. I mean, there was nobody was off limits. There's nobody getting maybe yeah. As a uh, a later down the road guy, um, I definitely felt that, saw that, you know, in, in PJ's time, like that's the way it was. PJ's gone. Uh, we did get a little bit softer on the back end of it. There's no doubt about it. Um, but the Paul Johnson mindset that one versus ones, hey, someone got hurt, move the ball to a different yard line, let them lay there, yep. deal, <laughs> and moved along with uh, Paul Johnson to Georgia Tech for sure. Oh yeah, it did. Yeah, PJ just made the uh, College Football Hall of Fame. Not sure if you saw that or not. Did yep. Yep. yeah, talked about all the stats and everything. We got a big group text going for a lot of guys in our class. Uh, we're talking about cr- crashing nice. it for him. Showing up, awesome. up to the black tie event with some natty boat. <laughs> awesome. Make sure you uh, share share what happens. Yeah, right. That'd be fun. All right. So keep going. I'm sorry I keep on injecting. No, no, I'm trying to be quiet now. I did that too much with Jake too. So yeah. I'll shut up. So sophomore year was a big learning year. Not, not just a culture change, but uh, trying to find a way to win. We came in, Paul Johnson played SMU first game and – we won pretty big, and I was only on special teams, but ended up leading the team in tackles and had a fumble recovery and all this from special teams. And that kind of kind of get getting me more and more playing time. And then uh, Eli Sanders and I were like back and forth. Like he he was a year ahead of me, and then he would play, and then I would play, and because I, I was learning, I was making a lot of mistakes that year, and, and I knew it, and that it was very frustrating me. And I was trying to learn as fast as I could, but I'd never. Freshman year wasn't anything for me. That didn't help me at all football-wise. So I just learned or lifted to get bigger and faster and stronger. That's all freshman year was for me because no one ever took the time to teach us, uh, okay, how do you run a cover two, cover three? No one taught me that in high school and freshman year. So sophomore year was a learning point. And there was one quote in the papers from Paul Johnson talking about me and Eli. He goes, well, we're like, well, who are you going to start? He goes, I don't know. It's like picking between the lesser of two evils. And that, that that was a big thing. It was like a dagger to the heart. I'm like, all right, this ain't happening anymore. Um, so yeah, we uh, Eli unfortunately got hurt, had a neck injury against Air Force. So I, I got thrust into that game, and then after that, I started uh, for the rest of the year. But uh, those first few games, we were back and forth if he was starting. Uh, so once once I got thrust into the starting position, I was like, nope, I, I am not doing this back and forth stuff. I want to play. I'm going to help this team. And, but unfortunately, that was our last win until Army uh, that year. So won the first and won the last that year. But uh, like I talked about earlier, gotcha. that was a big learning point for our, our our class, the class in front of us. That they're the ones. It wasn't just our class that turned it around. That class in front of us uh, had a big hand in it. Yeah, so, no doubt. But uh, yeah, we finished out the year, and then after that, it was like, all right, here's what we need to do uh, to get better and. No one went home over a break. If you did, you were gone a week, and then you were back. And even that block you had off, you were working out, and we were together. And and you could just feel the team unity, and everybody was in it to win it. And, I mean, we, it yeah. wasn't like we came out that, that year and started blowing people out either. I mean, we were in close games. Some games we should have put teams away, and we didn't, but we found a way to win. I think that's just the best way to explain that year. We actually learn how to find a way to win. Yeah. No, that's 
But that's Navy football yeah. right there. But and just it's always neck and neck. What little extra are you doing to make it happen? Hundred percent. But uh, yeah, and then after junior year, uh, actually, I'll back up. So I almost left the academy after my sophomore year. Uh, really? Why? Uh, so during spring break, my sophomore year, we got in a scuffle down in Panama City, and I, I didn't get in any trouble from it, but I was part of it, and it was a big, a big fight. Um, we got jumped by a bunch of uh, bouncers, and uh, it was just a couple of football guys, but mostly rugby guys, and. Uh, one of the rugby guys got arrested for aggravated battery because he took one of their batons, and but nothing happened to them, of course, because they're all crooked with the cops down there anyway. But uh, the, they dropped the charges against him with the academy with the deal that they would punish us, and uh, they everyone else got like two or three weeks, I think three weeks restriction, except for the guy that got arrested. He got maxed out, and then what blew my mind was they maxed me out. Because I threw the first punch at the guy. Like somebody said something to a girl, just a cat call. He was a bouncer. He jumps out of the car, comes around with his baton and waving it around. And somebody tries to knock it out of his hand and he chases him. He's swinging it at people. And he's swinging at my buddy, Jeff Brown, who he's a SEAL, uh, 06 guy. Uh, he's 04 graduate, but he's 06 now, captain. Tried to hit him in the face. And so I hit the guy to stop him from doing this. And they told me I should have let him hit somebody. This was from Captain Leidig, the commandant, as I'm in front. He said, you should have let him hit someone before you did anything. And uh, I did not agree with that. So uh, they maxed, maxed me out on restriction, which ended up being like 78 days because of football. I missed musters and all this being gone, traveling. And uh, it, it, it was tough because I was right during that two for seven time frame. And if it wasn't for football... I would have been gone. Like, that pissed me off so much. And I was like, I, yeah. all my buddies that were with me that actually did a lot of the fighting are running around now, partying, having fun. And I'm here on restriction for an extra month and a half for doing what I would still do today. But, gotcha. but anyway, uh, I digress. That, that was kind of the, the only time when I, I ever questioned myself at the Academy. Uh, but obviously, I yeah. Um, but you know, when, when you go to sleep at night, if if you feel like you did the right thing, stepping up for someone that you believed in, trying to get ahead of it versus being reactive. I mean, that's like a lot of stuff that we talk about on this podcast, right? Mm -hmm. So, to me, that sounds like uh, the right move. But yeah, yeah, keep going. Yep. Uh, so yeah, we junior year we finally made that bowl game, and everyone's just pumped bowl game and. I hate to say, and everyone's like, oh, you, Navy was just happy to be there that year that they finally made a bowl game. That was not my mentality. And I guarantee the players on the field just weren't happy to be there. They wanted to win that game. But um, it did show that we were making progress. We, we won eight games, and we were eight and four throughout the year, and then lost to Texas Tech, which that, again, pissed everybody off. So coming back for that senior year, that, that was the number one thing to do. Junior year, we, we got the, finally got the uh, Commander-in-Chief trophy for the first time in a while. And we, we were bound and determined to keep that there. And, we, and the ultimate goal was to um, win a bowl game. And so I, I ended up getting voted as captain. And uh, PJ sat, sat us, each of the captains down one-on-one -on -one and talked to us. He goes, well, what's your goals for you? I told him bluntly, I go, go undefeated. And he looks at me and goes, you really think that's possible? I go, yep. 
I go, I truly do believe it. I was like, last year, uh, Notre Dame, that was my junior year. Being from Indiana, we played at South Bend. Uh, they beat us on a last-second field goal that I went over the top with and tipped it with three fingers. So I got up celebrating. I was like, there's no way a 43-yard field goal is going in after I got three fingers on it. And sure enough, it went through sideways and just cleared the crossbar. Um, so in my mind, we, we had the talent, and we, we had a good returning core. It, it did hurt losing. I mean, Grandito was gone. Was gone. We were losing uh, Eddie Carthum and a few other of the seniors, but we had a majority of our guys coming back. And Plonko had came in, and he played against Notre Dame, um, I think his sophomore year, because Candido got hurt. So he had some experience. Um, but it, we, we truly believed we had the talent. So I, I told him. Told PBS, yeah, I, I want to go undefeated. Like, yeah, everything else, every other goal that we have is going to happen by us doing that. And by golly, we, we were pretty darn close, 10 and 2. Uh, yeah, the one game we did lose was Notre Dame, and I think it was up in the Meadowlands, but they, they came out and they were ready to play that game. And I, I forget the final score, like 24 to 6 or something like that. But it wasn't a blowout, it was a hard fought game. But they beat us. The two-lane game—that's the one that still eats at me. That we should have won. I, I don't. Why is that? Oh, I don't think some teammates took it seriously. Some guys went out, snuck out, went partying the night before, and Tulane wasn't a good team, and they just were ready to play. And we also played in the—I think it, I don't know if it was the Superdome or—but it was a big stadium that was completely empty, so it was like silent playing there. And uh, yeah. But yeah, just one of those games that we lost that we did. I was. I'll speak for my class when uh, when it comes to Hawaii. <laughs> uh, in Hawaii, um, sounds like the same thing. Yeah, so, I, I was there both times. Navy's played out there. I've, I've been at the games. Nice. Yeah, wasn't nope, the best. No, neither of them went well, but we sure had fun taking. <laughs> yeah, sir. All right. But yeah. So what's led next? us into senior year, man, and it was. Uh, do or die. We all knew it was our last go around. So, I mean, again, no one, I mean, I think I left for a week during the summer because uh, that, that's when they introduced block zero training. And so we were there for a good six, six straight weeks. And I took one week off. It was still working out when I went home to see family. And, but uh, yeah, everyone was busting their tails and we were ready to itch in and ready to go. We, we knew we had a good team and we were ready to get out there and show it. So. Uh, somewhere in there, I ended up picking a pilot, which was good. Um, I, once I started learning what surface warfare was and I went, did a trip on a YP, I learned very quickly I didn't want to do that. I was throwing up over the side of that thing for most of it. Um, <laughs> well, you're still kind of, you're still kind of woozy in the yeah, airplane, right? But, you just, you had something you had to figure yeah, out. Yeah, it huh? was. But, uh, yeah, all in all, it, uh, it worked out and my senior enlisted was, uh, it, it, in my company was a, a flight engineer on P3s, and he told me he had just moved from Rota. And my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, she was in uh, Sevilla, Spain at the time. And my senior, or my junior year, we actually went over there, took a Mac flight, went over there to Spain. And I was like, ooh, I could do this being stationed over here. My wife would love that. And I was like, well, what's the mission? And he started telling me, I was like, eh, it doesn't matter, it's land based. So that's when uh, I decided. Gotcha. Afterwards, that's what I was going to do. So, uh, yeah, uh, I ended up deciding uh, to go pilot and had everything set up. And then 
senior year, everything happened. And, uh, yeah, the uh, big memory senior were just winning the Commander-in-Chief trophy, winning the bowl game, having a pick six against Army. Uh, my, yep. Funny enough, my father-in-law actually just broke that uh, VHS tape out uh, when I was home over Christmas this year. <laughs> he has it on VHS, uh, that pick six. So. I uh, actually just watched it. You know, I'm, I'm kind of crazy with stuff like this. So like, if I'm going to talk to someone, I want to try and learn as much as I can about them in the shortest amount of time that I can. And I um, and I pulled up that YouTube video of 2004 Navy football, the, um, you know, long, long way together song. Yeah. <laughs> of, of Navy football 2004. Because guys like, guys like me, when we were coming into it, we're like, all right, I'm about to commit to this thing. Navy football and I go on YouTube and I want to see what they're all about. And, and that's the video. It's awesome. Yeah. Video. Right. And, and that one's in there too. Um, but you know, just, uh, from a preparation standpoint, uh, it tells you a little bit about, uh, uh, people like this, that they go into a commitment is man, do your mm-hmm. homework, get prepared. Like Josh Smith yeah. in, in the locker room, looking at red zone defense, um, looking to see what the, the offense is going to do. You know, like Buddy Green said, you know, you're, you were the coach out on the field, now nicknamed coach. So, um, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't get Buddy to let me call the plays on the field, though. He was always calling the uh, defense from the sideline. I tried. I was like, Coach, see something, yeah, I can change it. He's like, no, no, I'm running the defense. Yeah, he's pretty intense. Uh, I know he didn't like oh, me very man. much. Yeah. Uh, that visor, man. That like visor. He knew what type of attitude or mentality or attitude he had by how far he'd throw that visor. Oh yeah. I had oh, to yeah. deal with him though. If we ever beat Notre Dame, he was going to quit dipping. But uh, unfortunately, I couldn't do that for him. Gotcha. I don't think he nope. ever did, even if we, when we did beat him. Um. So you know, brief. You know, you talked about, you know, fly-in, land base. That was the incentive there with P3s. Um, was there anything cool that you picked up there? Like uh, a good life lesson or memory that, that you want to share with other people to learn from? Yeah, I mean, just follow what you want to do. The, the military, there's going to be people, detailers, and they're going to try to tell you what to do in the military. Do what you want to do. Um, so I finished as the, one of the distinguished graduates of my flight school. Um, even with getting sick and all that, I still pushed through and did, did well enough. And I got my number five out of six choice. And I'm, I went to the instructors. I was like, what the heck is this? Like, I don't even know Dude. what an EP3 is. I mean, I think X, Hawaii, Brunswick, and all these choices for P3s back then. And they're like, well, it's called quality of spread. We need to send in some good guys and yeah, and TBS does the yep. same thing. So yep. I end up going to Whidbey Island to fly EP3s, and my wife she followed me out there, and we we had a great time. And the difference was EP3s they only deployed for two months at a time, two to three months at a time, which worked out great. Like I love that being gone for two months. Home. A lot of it was home for two months and then gone again. But uh, yeah, it uh, it worked out, and it was just doing ISR. So T3s are doing sub hunting and dropping buoys and all this. Well, EP3s they're flying high doing intelligence surveillance reconnaissance missions, and they've got a lot more people on board. And and it actually it, everything happens for a reason. I'm a firm believer of that. And us going there it led to me having a skipper who was a big mentor of mine. Um, 
Corey Howes, uh, he, he actually, he was the CEO up in NAPS, uh, or the base up in NAPS for a while. But, uh, nice. He ended up hooking me up with this special gig uh, afterwards. Um, he's like, yeah, hey, I can't tell you much about it, except we're going to be gone a lot, and you're going to have great job satisfaction. So I pitched it to my wife. She's like, yeah. really? And I was like, it's in the D.C. area, so, I mean, that's good, right? And so we did, and disappeared for a month and uh, assessed and got selected to join it and then went there and did a year of training there and um, started flying for them. And yeah, I was gone a lot. Um, but again, everything he said was true. Uh, met some best friends there, flew with a lot of uh, warrant officers, and, uh, just some good buddies. Uh, went there for four and a half years and that's when I was able to sponsor mids. And, and uh, from that, we end up uh, getting selected for 04 and department head after that and that's when they said hey you're gonna go to hawaii but first you've been on sea duty this entire time you need to go to school to take a break so that's how i ended up at the war college but while i was there that's when i had my two sons so i got one son grayson who's 11 right now uh, and i got another son garner who's eight and then my daughter is five reese Um, so the boys were born at uh, at say jack pavilion there in annapolis so, nice and then uh went to nice. so you got three yeah, i got three kids and uh, they're rambunctious and just as competitive as i am so <laughs> makes for an interesting household so you're uh definitely busy yep. it's funny like i talk to people with uh i talk to people um with extremely high ambitions and their kids and like how busy their kids are and it's like oh my goodness and then you also talk to people with kids that aren't extremely ambitious and it's like an easy, easy peasy. I'm like, uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> but <laughs> Sounds like you're busy. Some people so. have like one kid I'm like, Oh, he's so tough. And then that's the way we were. And then we had a second one that was really tough. I'm like, Oh my God. Oh yeah. No but, doubt. Second one's yeah, a beast. But, uh, yeah, man. So I went up to war college, my degree up there. And then went out, I did my department head and, had a great time in Hawaii. Actually, you, behind me, you see the uh, mountains there. That's the Mokes off of uh, Kailua Beach. Uh, this is my wife's office that I'm stealing nice. from her because she works from home. But uh, yeah, and then uh, while we were out in Hawaii, she, my wife gave birth to my daughter. And so she's a little kiki and has her own little Hawaiian name. But uh, from there, we nice. uh, thought we were going back to the D.C. gig uh, to take over as the Navy OIC. Did the interview with the Deputy Undersecretary. Navy for policy, and then he said, "Yep, you're our guy." And then they said, "Well, it's got to be a by name request." And he said, "Oh, I don't want to use a silver bullet." So the admiral said, "Hey, this guy doesn't have a job. I'll take him." So I got pulled down here and tasked with all the special uh, things going on in the community, which included the special project P3s that I just flew in Hawaii, the EP3, and some other things going on. Um, but I did that for the last three years and then just switched over to Tacron and uh, enjoying that enjoying gotcha. this marine integration piece. So what's the funnest thing you're doing in your day-to-day right now? Working out. <laughs> yeah, Working out? the job, right. job gotcha. satisfaction isn't quite there right now. But, uh, I mean, I, I still get to lead uh, some sailors, which which I enjoy. But, uh yeah, working out and just being with my family. I'm a big family guy. I love, I love gotcha. coming home and my daughter running up to me full speed. And my son's high-fiving me. And, 
And right now I get the opportunity to put them on the bus a couple of days a week and be home in time to get them off the bus. Nice. Like that, that to me is just awesome. And cause I, I missed a lot of their young years when I was deployed as I was. So it's good to be there for them now. No, it's definitely a, yeah, definitely a, a big thing there too, across the board. Everybody that I've been talking with of, uh, you know, being that better uh, family man or appreciating things at home because we're so like caught up in, in, in the next big thing. Um, yeah. And then uh, my with, my other joys are hunting. Going, I usually go back to Indiana and do deer hunting. And I'll try to do a little bit here. There's just not a lot around here without driving an hour, hour and a half. We're going to have to tell me when you're going deer hunting because I need to go deer hunting. I don't have a place to oh, go. Yeah, my brother. Here in Kentucky, my brother's got all sorts of spots set up for me. After after this year, he's like, "Dude, you you can only hunt this one spot now. You're not killing any more of my big bucks." Because he does nice. the whole like trail cams and like figuring it out. Like he he does it right. Does his yeah. homework. Puts puts in effort. Cool. And then here I so, here I come in, just like, "Hey, I'm ready to shoot him. You line him up for me. I'll knock him down." <laughs> exactly. Nice. So what's the next big thing for Josh Smith? Ooh. What are you looking at? Ah, two, I got less than, or just over two, two years left, man. And I, I plan on being 20 and done. So that's the next big thing for us is uh, I'm trying to get, get current flying again and figuring out which airline I'm going to go fly for. And then where my family lives. Gotcha. Um, Cause whether we're, whether we're, well, you know, UPS is huge right here in yeah, Louisville. UPS the biggest hub in uh, America. FedEx and UPS, they're, they're not hiring a whole lot right now. FedEx is getting ready to post a, a pretty bad year. and uh, The airlines right now look pretty good. Like Wayne Irons and a few other guys that I know around here fly for Delta. So I hear all about Delta. And I got a lot of buddies in Southwest. And so uh, we'll just see who's hiring then. And, but the main thing is just kind of figuring out how to get current so they'll hire me. And, and then where we're going to live, whether we're going to stay here or go back to Indiana some stuff we'll have to pray on and discuss as a family because i mean kids have been here for it'll be five years by the time we're done which is the longest we've ever been anywhere nice you're lucky to do that five years in a single yeah. location military family and especially in their ages that that is mm-hmm. huge for sure biggest part is my oldest son will be going into eighth grade when i retire so wherever we go he'll get uh, eighth grade and then uh high school somewhere nice well, cool. Anything else on the career you want to talk about? Oh, uh, that's kind of the big stuff, man. Uh, didn't end up picking up command, uh, which was kind of unfortunate to, to me. It was like the Navy's loss. It was it came down the way that we do it in our community is it comes down to one skipper and he says, who's number one and number two. And I felt like I earned number one. Everybody in the squadron thought I was number one. And then he shocks everybody and chooses the other guy. So. He's in command right now, and but again, everything happens for a reason. I would be busting my butt and working long hours and not seeing my family and not being able to coach, whereas right now I am enjoying life. So truly do believe everything yeah. happens for a reason. I'm right there with you. Um, feel the same way about a lot of stuff. Gives me uh, time to do stuff like mm-hmm. this. So, um, All right, so now it's time for your favorite funny coach story. Or a good coach story. Oh, man. I mean, between PJ and and Buddy, man, there there was a lot of explicit and profanity thrown around that uh, 
I think it was PJ. I forget who he was talking about. He's he used the line multiple times. If you ever find yourself on the field, call a timeout because someone done effed up. It's like, <laughs> oh my coach, you can't say that. You just crushed that guy. <laughs> but he, he Yeah. No, I think I've heard that one too through the grapevine. Probably not from PJ's mouth directly, but it was either on Galleon's uh you know, uh, page that he made with all yep. the PJ quotes or somebody oh, else yeah. said it. One of the yeah, two. the offensive linemen are the ones that get it the worst, man. Uh, those just, yeah, just no tore doubt. them up. Another good story isn't so, a coach's one, but uh, anybody that was there will 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 just laugh. Like, we're, we're doing scrimmage and one-on-ones again, and all of a sudden, Babatunde goes down, and he is screaming like, oh, my God, he just broke his femur or something. And he's screaming, and all of a sudden he starts screaming, "Grab my toe, grab my toe!" And he he was cramping, but he was screaming like he just broke his leg. And we're all like, and everybody just starts dying laughing. Like we thought he was done for for the year. And oh man, that that was one of those where everybody just like, oh god, and like you just hear the air go out, and then you hear him yelling, "Grab my toe, grab my toe!" And everybody's like, oh. <laughs> what is going on <laughs> that's actually amazing information oh, yes. for me in my class as as he was our you know up in uh or uh in newport he was the tad you know coaching defensive line and trying to toughen us all up and you know so yeah tunde had he had so many good um, saying so many good, like, hey, you better toughen up. You can't be like a wuss like this and all that kind of stuff. Oh, I'm sure it came out so, up there. That's great. Appreciate you well, sharing well, you that. remember the article. I've never seen somebody more angry than him one time when uh, I think it was Wagner did an article nice. on him, posted an article about Babatunde in the Capitol that said, looks like Tarzan plays like Jane. Oh, 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 oh he gosh. read that, and I think he put a whole. There's a chip uh, on he, his shoulder, right there. He put right his there. hand through the chalkboard and then was throwing everything. I mean, I was like, "Oh man!" But yeah, almost nice. was maybe junior. Well, he, he, you know, to his credit, was an awesome coach. Uh, a lot of guys took away a lot oh, of things man. from he, him, he, uh, myself included. Uh, awesome yeah, guy, I mean, he was the strongest sure. dude on the team by far. I mean, he, that dude was built like an ox and i mean we couldn't do all our stuff on defense without him because they had to double team him man he was so big and starts up front yep no doubt well cool what about your thoughts on buddy green i love buddy green he and i didn't always see eye to eye but uh i mean i when leaving the academy i thought of him as a father figure man like he 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 did a lot for me and when i was coaching um he like he pulled me aside one time he's like, "You're all right, man." I was like, "No, actually, I'm not." Uh, some family issues had arose, and um, but yeah, so he he just was a father figure to me, man. He he was as hard as hard nosed as they come. I mean, he was a tremendous. I, I did research on him. He was a two sport athlete down at NC State. And, I mean, he, he was awesome. I knew his wife really well. Yeah. I think his wife at one point tried to set me up for with her, with her daughter and. Um, but no, I, I ran into Buddy uh, two years ago at one of the uh, bowl games, one of the reunion games, and it was just good to see him. He, he's awesome. I, mean, I invited awesome. him to my my wedding, and 
Yeah. The, there, there was one story where when I was hurt for uh, the undisclosed groin injury, um, I pulled him aside. He's trying to play this freshman. And I was like, coach, I'm shadowing him. And he's going the wrong way every time when I'm going this way. Like he has no clue what he's doing against the option. And, oh, man, he lit into me like screaming and yelling, like, you think you, you know, what's going on. I'm the coach. And I was like, coach, I'm just telling you how it is. I am. That is what I see. And I want the team to win. And I was like, yep. He chewed, he chewed my butt for it, but I think he, he respected it. And we never discussed it after that, but yeah, it was uh, one of those that it's going to be a bad conversation, but he needs to hear it. This kid does not know what's going on. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. Sometimes the, the coach that cares so much is so focused on this one thing that they don't open up the blinders a little bit, mm-hmm. right? It happens to oh, us all the time. Uh, you know, for me, I I, I I catch myself doing the same thing. I'm like, I'm so focused on this one thing. It's so important that I forget to take in the, mm-hmm. the whole picture. So awesome. Um, how about like the biggest struggle that you're working through today? Well, that's kind of the big what we just talked about, right? It's just figuring out what's going to happen here in the next two to three years. Uh, that, that's the biggest struggle we're going through. Gotcha. I mean, right now it's just kind of hey, figuring out day to day. Mama, you run this kid here, you run there. But uh, that's just the the day to day mundane stuff. It's uh, big picture wise. I mean, we're we're pretty happy and content with where we're at. And then uh, once once we get out of the military, that that's the big struggle that we uh, we, we discuss quite often. Because both our both our families gotcha. are from Indiana, and her brothers there, my whole family there, and so we'll see. But we're we're pretty happy here. Nice. Got a lot of the brotherhood around here, and we hang out with everybody. Got some great friends here too. So that's the biggest struggle we have. Cool. Gotcha. If you could go back um, through your whole journey and and do something differently, what would you do, if anything? Man, I, I, I've pondered that. It, there's not one thing that I would change, man. Uh, I've got a beautiful smoking hot awesome. wife, three kids, and we're doing pretty well. She's doing. She's been very fortunate that we've been able to keep her career going throughout this whole journey as well, and three amazing kids. And, I mean, God's blessed us, and I, I don't think I'd change anything besides beating Notre Dame. That's about awesome. it. Awesome. I got you. What's your price of admission? That's my price of admission was a was a couple body parts, but uh, but just my recommendation to everybody is, is don't quit. Don't be content with what is you have, and always know someone out there is bigger, better, stronger. And just because you think you want it more doesn't mean that because everyone does. So unless you go out there and execute and prove it, it's not true. I mean, a lot of people talk the talk. You got to be able to go out there and do it, but you've got to do all the small things that lead up to that big thing that's going to happen. For us, it's out on the football field. I mean, that, that's something that I always believed it was like, yeah, I may be here shooting around, but somebody's probably shooting another hundred shots more than me, or they're lifting two more times during the week than I am, and. That's what always drove me was, hey, I want to be the best. And to me, I was never the best. I always had to keep working. Never be content with what you have. Always want more. 
No doubt. Well, cool. Um, what about uh, something, you know, your wife's working on a new company, uh, Innovative yeah. Pet Labs? Yeah, so here, here's my plug. Right? It, it, How's it's that going? going. So she, they launched last summer, so it wasn't the best timing that they, they finally had all their ducks in the row and launched the company. It, it's a great company, and, I mean, it, it's – it's change. It's something that can change the industry, right? So the, the idea is you order a, a test for your dog or cat from home, right? You don't have to go spend hundreds of dollars to have a vet come tell you, hey, you need to take this test because we, we don't run this test, but they have this test. So um, they actually, they created a coupon for the Navy Football Brotherhood. So if you use N-A-V-Y-F-B-B, Navy Football Brotherhood, um, you get 20% off, but, uh, yeah, she started with some of her, uh, people that they, uh, that she did her other company with. Uh, so she worked at Everly well. And before that was Genova diagnostics. And it was some of those folks that, um, they all have this scientific background while well, all the testing that's done for the human side is done on pets. So they were able to use that because the scientists are part of theirs. So, um, but innovative pet, uh, uh, Test for what? So GI issues. So I'm going to read something from their website. So it's innovativepetlab.com is their website. Um, you can go in there, order a kit, and then get uh, Navy FBB and get 20% off their kits. But uh, Innovative Pet Lab, they offer pet owners and animal health practitioners peer-reviewed and scientifically proven tests that help identify root causes of intestinal and autoimmune issues before they develop into more serious conditions. Best of all, you can test from the comfort gotcha. of your home at the time that works for you. So you just gather some of the the poop um, and then send it into their lab, and they do all the testing on it. And um, they're growing pretty rapidly right now, so they're, they're pretty excited about it. And uh, excited to see my wife uh, really thrilled. Nice. So she was the uh, senior VP at Everly Well um, before she quit last summer. So she she uh firmly believes in this and i do too it, it's great to see it and everybody uh that put their sweat and tears into it and to watch it actually come to fruition is uh, no doubt. is awesome so yeah and with covid on the heels of covid where everyone like during covid bought mm -hmm. pets and stuff that's that's a it is a so, so something thing. like so you know, yeah so it's like a lot of gi issues like if you like that pet food you're using is your dog actually absorbing the nutrients or is your dog itching all the time um, a lot of those root causes all come from gi issues and that's a lot of what they they're testing for there's a lot of vets that are finding out about their test and wanting to start to sell their tests now so just throwing it out there for everybody nice. to, to jump on board to, to help their pets out because i know a lot of people spend a lot of money on pets yeah and and people get tired of picking up the 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 crap mm -hmm. on the floor in the middle of the of the kitchen or, or whatever. Yep. So hundred percent. Awesome. Well, cool. What'd you learn today? Oh man. I learned a lot actually. It's pretty funny hearing uh, what everybody remembers of you and uh, what you're known for. And it's, it's humbling to hear uh, what some of the younger guys thought of uh, our, our classes um, football team. And, um, but it was just awesome, man. I appreciate you having me on and, Look forward to listening to a bunch of others. I've heard a few of them, and I see them uh, posted on LinkedIn a bunch, and I'll listen to them here and there. But I've started listening to them more and more on my drive to work, so I really like them. Awesome. I'm trying to not self-sabotage this thing. I have a, a tendency yeah. to do that, so I'm working on that. 
Um, but man, awesome talk today, Josh Smith, everybody, um, from a, a turnaround class, not just a turnaround class, turnaround captain, uh, partnering with the, the Wimberley guy, Aaron Polanco. We'll get to him at some point. Um, but uh, I got a fun story there if I ever get him oh, on here as well. Um, but yeah, dude, um, excellent background, setting a standard. Um, you know, Black Friday, mm-hmm. that was fun. Uh, I wanted to, to, oh, to yeah. hear more about that. Um, but the, the Paul Johnson thing uh, started with you guys, and, and we're all appreciative of that standard that you guys set. So uh, thanks for today and uh, tell the thing. Yeah, we'll do. Hello. Appreciate it, Tony. Let me know if you're uh, ever up in Indiana. I'll be there. We'll do. Yep. I'm close by. Hi, bro. So. Take care.